Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. My name is TJ Jackson. And with me is my eldest brother, Taj Jackson. What's going on, T? How are you, man? Doing well, doing well. Very, very, very good. Uh, as many of you know who are watching us for show number 306, by the way, yes, 306. It's quite a bit of shows. Anyways, we are live, live right now on Facebook and YouTube. You may also be catching us via the podcast. Yes, each and every episode is upstreamed into the podcast world where you can always listen to it at a later date. So I like to mention that in case there's a new podcast listener out there um, that is looking for more content to listen on their walk, run, jog, uh, during work, whenever it would be. Uh, Just remember, The Power of Love Show is also a podcast. Todd Jackson, today's date is January 24th. 2024. It's crazy. We're already almost one month into the year. It seems like it's flying by. Um, I want to ask you how your year has been going, but before I do that, I want to knock out this disclaimer before I forget. And that is we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who've experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it and we have learned from it. So what we like to do here is we like to share our opinions in an attempt to help you get through whatever it is you may be going through. Saying that, if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Please do not just rely on us. Now, Taj, back to the question at hand. How are we already almost done with the first month of the year? And then how has your year been going? Um. I, that's scary that you just said that because yeah, it, it is. I just look when you said that. I looked at the um, the date. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, You're right. It's almost over. Um, look, I, as I said, I didn't make any really New Year's resolutions just because I didn't. You know, I, just, I was trying something different. But I'm really, I'm very optimistic about this year and very excited. Yeah. That hasn't, you know, normally like it start kind of weeding. Um, weeding away but it hasn't really for me it's actually ramped up so what's what's making this year an exciting year for you what what do you compared so to last, others the last years weren't it's it's can only go up from a certain okay. point you know in that way and so <laughs> you know it, it's just anticipation and and, okay. and a lot of things are coming into fruition that needed to come into fruition cool. so yeah cool, yeah cool, we, cool. i mean we got a lot of stuff going on and in, in, in that way and a lot of things on the table some secrets in, in that way between us, I mean, you know what I mean, music-wise, and in, yeah. in, in our in our circle, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, you know, so there's a lot of good stuff that I'm excited about to look forward to. Well, uh, I agree with you, Taj. I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be a great rest of the year. Um, it's just, you know, I, I still get amazed at how quickly time is flying. Yeah. Uh, to know that we're already 24 days, it seems like just just four or five days ago was the New Year's. But that's the way life goes. And especially as it seems like as we get older, it seems like it flies faster and faster. So with that in mind, it's very important that we enjoy each and every day. 
and spend it the way we want to spend it with our loved ones and doing things we want to do. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, before we get too far away, uh, I, I know Taj was going to mention this, um, but I'm going to, to beat him to it. And TJ Jackson, Taj Jackson, the entire Jackson family, uh, the tax, entire DD Jackson Foundation wants to send our love and condolences to Melly, who was a longtime family supporter who passed last week. I think it's been almost a week. Um, I don't but know. We, if it's been a week. But it hasn't been a week, but it's close, like maybe four or five, five, six days. Mm -hmm. Either way, we want to just send our love, well wishes to Melly's family. Uh, she touched so many people. I had the honor of talking to her on a yeah. station head for my very first one, was the sweetest person. And yeah. I know, Todd, you've had many interactions with Melly as well. Yeah. Um, but just want to make sure we we give her our love and props because she was a, just a huge supporter of us and um, our family. And we know how much, especially people watching, were impacted by hearing about the loss. So, mm -hmm. Todd, if there's anything else you want to add, to that, um, please do. No, um, we are doing something special tonight um, on Station Head for her in that way. So, um, nice. uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to honor someone that is, you know, in, in that way. So yeah, I don't know when people are going to listen to this, unfortunately, yep. you know, with the podcast. But if you, if you tune in live right now and, and Later on tonight, we will be doing something special in her honor. Well, the good thing about Station Head 2 is that um, it can also be uh, listened to later. So yes. just because if you can't catch it live, you can always hear it later. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I think that was important to say. So thank you, Taj. And if there's any other news you have on that, uh, as the show goes on or something pops in, please it save it for the end. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So that's the first bit of um, information we wanted to give out there. And the second bit, I think, is to talk about our show, if that's okay with you, Taj. Yeah. I mean, we do have one other person. In the, oh, please. Is Patty. You remember? Oh, um, yes. Of course. It's, it's well, the reason, um, and, and I was reminded by the, the, um, the, the, the chat right now in mm, that way in the comment section we, we skipped it we skipped a week um we weren't so on we missed patty so we missed patty but um but pa patty uh patty was someone again who was a big supporter of our family and uh, uh i used to enjoy my interactions with her because uh she was as a bus driver we used to talk to her for my four kids in school um but she was just someone who was so supportive of of me and and our family of course but of me and and um just someone that will always be missed and yeah Taj, i appreciate you saying that because I, you know, I know it's great souls and in, in that way and it, it's it's hard because you know the fragility of life and you're reminded and in, in, in yeah. that way but um just a lot of people have commented in, in in that way and it just shows the love that people have for both of them well said Taj. Well said. Thank you so much, Taj. Because I, I, Patty's been over a week, so and I just realized we didn't. Well, that was the, that was the chat that reminded me. That was yeah. Just, yeah. All right. So with that said, uh, let's get on to our our wonderful show. So yes. um, we are honored here at DDJF to have back for a third, not once, but not twice, but this is her <laughs> third time uh, being a guest. She's a dear friend of DDJF. Who am I talking about? 
Of course, it is Laura Formentini. Uh, Laura, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, um, but uh, you can correct me when you come on. But you guys may all recall from her previous appearances on the Power of Love show in June of 2021 and March of 2022 that Laura is a not only a photographer and activist, but also a philanthropist, speaker, and author of 21, 21 Olive Trees, A Mother's Walk Through the Grief of Suicide to Hope and Healing. Her journey as a curious and empathetic individual has taken her around the world. Engaging in various philanthropic activities, she was helped Renovate, she has helped renovate uh, an orphanage in Kenya, a clinic in Malawi, and raise funds for their improvement. And as a nonprofit photographer, she has worked with multiple organizations worldwide, driven by the belief that proactive love can heal both the world and ourselves. I do love that. Uh, yep. Her travels have shaped her into an advocate for child welfare and animal cruelty prevention. She has been to Italy, Malawi, Kenya, Tanzania, and Puerto Rico, raising funds for numerous causes. With her background in archaeology, conservation, and photography, she has led a project for free sterilization of street dogs and cats in Italy. She supports several organizations, including People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, Mercy for Animals, Best Friends Animal Society, Kiva and the ASPCA, A-S-P-C-A. I'm not sure if you're supposed to say it as a word, but I just did. Uh, but anyways, for 20 plus years, she has also sponsored over 50 children globally through Plan USA. Five years after the loss of her son, Laura's perspective on grief has profoundly evolved. And as a result, her life's mission has as well. So here today to share a bit more about her inspiring and admirable work. Without much further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Laura Formentini back to the Power of Love show. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Yeah. How are always, you? Always been an honor to be back with you. Uh, well, it's so fun. It's, it's so good seeing you. And I know this answer to this very first question, but I'm going to ask it because you do travel a lot. And I am someone who is always looking to travel and, and see the world. Um, I'm going to ask you, where are you now? And yes, let's start with that. I am in Valencia, Spain. N nice. Nice. Yes. I, I have a question real quick, Laura, but I, I have a yes. list of questions to ask you and I'm going to sure. ask you. But I, I'm always advocating the importance of traveling and seeing different cultures and sure. seeing different, you know, just different life experiences. Uh, how would you say that has uh, changed your life? Just the idea of you going from, you know, just all these different cultures, Kenya, Puerto Rico, um, you were in, you said South America, um, you know, Valencia now. How has that in change your life or I should say added value to your life? Oh, it adds value a hundred percent. It's just, uh, you know, it opens your eyes to, to how people live. It makes you, you know, it helps you with empathy. It makes you understand different cultures. It's, uh, 
you become part a part of the world you know you're not just uh you know i i, I have so many friends who have only lived in certain spots <laughs> they have never moved yeah. from where they were born and i was i was born in milan i was born in italy then i moved to the states when i was 20 years old um and i just don't understand the those people who always live in the same spot because it's it's all gained you know to travel to experience it's just there's if you don't travel and you don't experience you really miss out i agree yeah i agree um i i just wanted you to answer that because as a traveler i i i was hope i'm always trying to inspire anyone to to see different things and like you said one of the best benefits is uh i think you become more empathetic yeah, you know we, we never think about yeah. that you see different cultures and different things and sure. and you you Respectful. i think you also become more grateful too um yeah so Taj just said perspective and and that's going to lead into my my first question so as as human beings our perspective on different aspects of life uh tends to evolve um and grief is no exception can you tell us more about the evolution of your perspective on grief in the five years since losing your son well uh over, I would say the 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 past five years since the loss of my son Blaze, um, my understanding of grief has profoundly evolved. You know, initially it felt like this um, insurmountable, mm. uh, you know, uh, burden, like a deep void full of, you know, pain and and longing and you know. But then as time passed, you know, I began to perceive grief very differently. It's almost like, um, you know, I came to understand that it is in essence love that is really stuck inside, that is stuck inside the body. And uh, that love that seeks, seeks a way to get out to, you know, what am I going to do here, you know, in, inside this body? I need to get out. Um, so Blaze was not just my son. He was basically my mentor. He was mm -hmm. my, my guide. It was just a, just one of, we were just like this. He was just a wonderful guy. And, um, so his loss really taught me so much about, um, you know, so many lessons about love and loss and, and, and healing and, it's really, um, it's, it's a journey that's taught me how, you know, that, in, you know, embracing and expressing that trapped love is really crucial for our healing. It's very important. Um, it's not just about acknowledging, you know, the, the pain, but finding ways to, um, to channel that love, okay, mm. to channel that love creatively. So this realization has really been uh, fundamental in my healing. Um, and so as I evolved, I would say I, um, so did my approach in, in helping others. Mm. Um, so now my goal is really to create spaces and opportunities 
for people to express and transform their grief. Um, and so this has really led me to focus on creating or let's say developing programs and initiatives that encourage people to um, connect with their inner selves. Mm. And it's, um, you know, and, and find comfort in sort of like shared experiences of love and lust. So basically my, my perspective, my perspective has really shifted from viewing grief um, as simply a personal journey to seeing grief as a shared human experience that, you know, when, when it's openly expressed and openly shared can really lead to profound and personal yeah. healing. Um, a couple of questions off the top of my head. Um, did it take you long to get there to get open about your grief in your life? Because for me and a, a lot of people, I would assume we have a tendency to stay closed and not want to open, which I agree with. It it, it makes it more challenging to to get through and navigate through it. Doing this show has helped me with my grief tremendously because of the openness. So I'm curious to know for you, did it take you a while to become open with your grief? It did not take very long. Um, I would say the first year it was incredibly difficult. And then, you know, well, Blaze passed in, in 2019 and then 2020 COVID hit. So you know, those couple of years were really difficult, but then that's when I started writing my book. You know, I, you know, I, I couldn't really go places because of COVID. And so I was like, I've got to, you know, release this somehow. So I put, I released it on paper, but I would say, because I was so used to doing philanthropic stuff and, you know, just really helping people and doing things left and right. Um, I realized that that was that would that was going to be my outlet. That was mm. going to be my way of releasing the pain, no matter what, you know, in one way or the other. Because the, you know what, I realized that okay, so it's grief is pain that is stuck inside. If it's stuck inside, that means mm. that that love that you used to give to the person, the person is no longer there. Person's dead. Okay, gone. Okay, so that love is still there for that person. But love comes in many forms, if you think about it. So if we're able to move that energy of love that is stuck inside, mm -hmm. wherever it's needed in the world, the world needs help. You know, there's, you know, people, uh, animals, elderly, children, wherever you're able to express that love, to let that love out you know that's really the key that's the key because love can, comes in so many forms so i really realized that that was it you know i'm like okay you're not here physically anymore but i can feel you i know you know you know energetically i know that you're around um but how am i going to move this love so i started because I was so used to doing philanthropic stuff, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to move it by doing this. That's great. And yeah. it really did help. Yeah, yeah. I, I can relate to that because I, I think Taj and I, I don't remember when, but we had a conversation that maybe after uh, we did, uh, we sponsored a, a, a Music Heals class 
we were talking yeah. about how doing things for others really helps you get through your 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 own grief and loss. And and I think you're I mean, I think I love the way you say it. And I haven't really heard anyone say it that way, is that it feels like love stuck in you and you just need to find a way to get it out, a, a vehicle, a way. Mm -hmm. And if you could do that, it can really help you through the process. So yeah. uh, thank you for sharing it that way. Now, um, you've shared um, in the past insights about your inspiring book in mm -hmm. previous appearances. But for those who are new to the community or, or may have missed that episode, um, your book, 21 Olive Trees, was published two years ago in honor of Blaze, your son. So um, let's go back to the basics. What inspired you to write the book and what message do you hope readers take away from it? And if possible, if you have the book near you, can you share a brief passage from the book? Yeah, so 21 Olive Trees, um, you know, I, so Blaze, my son was 21 when he, when he passed away. It was in 2019, so almost five years ago. And um, so I picked the number 21 because he was 21. And then the, I picked the olive tree because it's a symbol of um, strength and regeneration and peace. And so um, it, it really, I've always loved that, the olive trees, just like mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. But anyways, it was like, so writing 21 olive trees for me was a, it was very cathartic. It was a you know, cathartic process. Um, and it really allowed me to release, you know, all this, all the, you know, pent up emotions and, you know, but the, the essence of the book really goes beyond, I would say beyond my personal journey to, you know, you know, it's, um, it's a book that it comprises 21 fables. Um, and, you know, each fable represents, uh, a year of, of Blaze's life. And these fables are really crafted not only to reflect aspects of Blaze's spirit and our journey together, but also to resonate with readers on a universal level. So um, they're they're kind of like they're stories that they're designed to sort of like evoke self-reflection and um, and understanding. So they, I you know they're. My my goal is to offer gentle insights rather than just, you know, giving you a prescription on how you should heal or how yeah. you should, should get over this. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost like each each fable offers like a nudge, um, like a like a little reminder, like a subtle reminder reminder that life, you know, with all the complexities of adulthood and all the stuff that we go through adulthood. You know, it's it's a shared experience, you know, and uh, you know, and uh, that there, you know, there is healing power in in, um, you know, the lightheartedness of of life, you know. Yeah. That's why I pick the fables. So my intention was really to create a book that you know acts like a sort of like a companion. You know, when you when you're going when you're grieving, you need a friend to hold your hand. That was kind of like, well, hmm. my initial idea was not to write it for others, but it was to write it for myself, to heal myself, but then turned out to be something that, you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. It can I help others. And so, you know, it's something that you can put on your nightstand if you're if you're grieving and it can, you know, you can use it 
at your pace. There's no prescription there where, you know, you should use it or should not use it. It's, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's something that lets you explore your feelings at your own play, uh, pace. So Yeah, which is, which is very important, you know, and I think we, we've mentioned this many times is how loss and grief, you feel so alone and isolated. So any, any content, any item, I think will, can, can already start to help people to know that they're not alone and and you sharing you know your book with others is is huge i think we've may mentioned it at least on at least probably on every time every time yeah. you've been on is that we commend you because that's so important now you laura you've collaborated with the garden of peace organization to plant 21 olive trees yeah. um very cool, by the way. I love that. Um, very unique and meaningful. So cool. So uh, my question is, how has the process of planting and nurturing these symbolic olive trees contributed to your healing um, and your broader mission of transforming grief into positive actions? Well, my connection with the Garden of Peace was beyond serendipitous which is <laughs> insane how we how I met these people because it was a it was a complete chance um discovery you know i i was scrolling through google and this is really crazy how this happened so it was um between christmas eve and christmas day of last year um of 20 was it 2022 Yes, 2022, so the previous year. And um, so, you know, I just couldn't fall asleep. It's like three, four o'clock in the morning and uh, just scrolling through Google. And, you know, I, I, you know, I wrote 21 olive trees and this thing comes up where, you know, hmm. I read 21 olive trees planted as a garden of peace on the island of Crete, Greece. And I was like, what is that? Wow. So I look it up. And so it's basically, it, the Garden of Peace organization is really, it's an international organization that plants 21 olive trees as, garden, as, as a garden of peace project, okay, all over the world. Um, well, all over the world, wherever the olive tree grows, because, yeah. you know, you can plant an olive tree in, you know, probably phantoms. Yeah. I don't know. But um, so, you know, the crazy thing is that they only plant 21 olive trees. And then, so this precise number is, is um, it's not arbitrary. It's not just like mm. random. Yeah, because it's symbolic, but it represents it represents the twenty one types of olive trees. Okay, that produce ninety five percent of the world's olive oil. So, wow. why do they plant the twenty one olive trees? They plant them as a symbol of peace between people. Okay, so say they've, they've done the Garden of Peace in, uh, for instance, in, uh, you know, on the island of Crete, in Spain, in Italy, you know, all over the Mediterranean basin. And they, they want to expand to California and all these places. So I said, when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, I wrote a book that is titled, entitled 21 Olive Trees. This is crazy. 
Because think about it, it could have been 35, it could have been 55, it could have been $300 trees. They played 21. So right away I connected with Blaze. I thought, this is a Christmas gift from you because it's <laughs> out between so Christmas cool. and Christmas. It's just like, oh my God, this guy. So it was amazing. And so the day after Christmas, I contacted them and, uh, you know, this, we have an amazing relationship now and uh, we're going to plant 21 olive trees within the animal sanctuary that I currently work with. Um, I'm working with on an, uh, an educational center on creating an educational center within the sanctuary and the Garden of Peace is also going to be part of it. That's so cool. Very cool, Laura. It, it's great. It's amazing how that worked out and how that, that yeah. happened. It's amazing. Not by chance. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very, very cool. Now, um, this was a question that I've been having in the back of my head for a little while now. You travel around the world, of course, um, doing a lot of philanthropic activities, and therefore you've been involved in various projects around the world. Can you share, is there a specific experience or project that left a lasting impact on you? I know there's been many, but is there one that sticks out um, from anywhere around the world and why? And and if there's not a specific one, the, uh, or you can also answer, um, is there something you've learned from a, a culture or from... Uh, from a, a part of the world that has influenced you on how to handle your grief? Two different questions, I know, but you could pick one or answer both. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. I think that the, the project at an orphanage in Kenya hmm. uh, really stands out with that was really that was had a big impact on me. Mm. Uh, so in this community, basically, I I was involved in you know renovating their dorms and kitchen, and you know I was helping the older kids to you know attend college basically. And so, and it's a place where I I really experienced this extraordinary sense of connection and love um so basically material possessions there at the at the orphanage were minimal i would say non-existent basically but there was like this overwhelming presence or idea of of love and unity okay that so the children the staff they were incredibly um I don't know, this showed this level of contentment, not even contentment, like joy. It was like true joy. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's almost like something that transcended material needs. Wow. Okay? And so they they had like there's such a there was such a warmth in their interactions and it was um um just like their ability to talk to you in such a friendly and warm manner, even if they didn't really know you. And it was, it was deeply moving for me. It was, it was because I worked with them for about two years, you know, I, I fundraised for them. I was doing photography and it was truly a place where there was so much love and so much, it, it, I would say love, love was 
their most valuable currency. Yeah, that's great. And, but for me, what happened to me was when I, when I came back from, from Kenya and I returned to the, you know, more materialistic, you know, environment of our (laughs) first world, um, I was, it was not easy. I was struck by, you know, by the, the differences and the, you know, the, you know, the, the, I, I felt like it's almost like a profound sense of disconnection um, because like the contrast between yeah. where we live and they, where they live was so profound. So, I, it, it's almost I, like, the, it, it's almost like the, the abundance of material wealth that we have here goes hand in hand with it's almost like a deficit in connection yeah explain it that you're explaining it perfectly um i i think that's a a really strong realization that that i wish more people can experience and understand is that sometimes you're you're you know you're your obsession or need, quote unquote, need for material things are limiting your ability to, to, you know, um, enhance the, the things that really matter. The, you know, the love, right. the connection, the humanity aspect. And it's yeah. like you said, we're deficient of that. And I think that's, um, I think that's okay. no, now a question. I want to know, honestly, in your opinion, do you feel, Obviously, some of that because you're back now in 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 you know in our world. Um, yeah. Obviously, some of that is is probably come away a bit because you're back to living in the day to day of how we all live. But would you say your experience in Kenya has stuck with you? And if so, um, what do you advise for someone who's never been able to experience something like that? Yeah, I would say it, it fundamentally changed my perspective on what truly matters in life, That's you know? Amazing. So it, it really underscored the importance of empathy, um, connection, um, and the power of giving back, you know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it it it, it, it sh- shaped my approach to um, that experience in Kenya shaped my approach to philanthropy and life in general. Right now I'm working with also working in Africa because I'm, I'm working in Morocco, which is just like an hour from where I live, but I work at an animal sanctuary, which is, um, the largest animal sanctuary in the country in Morocco. And uh, we're working on creating an educational center there. Mm. And um, it's not Kenya. It's not that far south. It's still North Africa, but it's still Africa. And it's, you still see the difference. It's just like an hour by, by plane from where I am, because I'm in Valencia. And the, the Moroccan sanctuary is in Tangier. It's mm. the largest animal sanctuary in Morocco. Wow. And... Um, we're we're creating an educational center within the sanctuary. We have almost more than a thousand animals there, wow. and um, it's amazing how 
you know, it, it's it's called it it it's hard to explain unless mm -hmm. you actually go there <laughs> because um it's so close to Europe because Tangier mm -hmm. is on the Strait of Gibraltar. So it's mm -hmm. about maybe 10 miles, you know, from, from the coast of Spain, but it's Africa. So it's, you know, you, you have the, the small strait that separates the two, the two continents, but it, they're completely different cultures. Wow. Hmm. Now, um, as an advocate for child welfare and animal uh, cruelty prevention, how do you believe proactive love can contribute to healing both the world and ourselves? Um, how do you define proactive love? Well, <laughs> proactive love. Okay, so mm, proactive love of, or love in action. It's the same thing, right? Okay. I mean, I, I gave a TED talk last year and in, the title was Loving Action. But loving action, proactive love is the same stuff. Basically, it's like um, taking, I would say, deliberate and compassionate um, actions uh -huh. to nurture to educate and to protect. Mm. So it's it's basically it's 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 like an active um, approach to empathy, in my opinion. It's an active approach instead of you know talking about love. We're doing something about it. You know, if there's a problem in society, we're going out and trying to find a solution yeah. to it instead of just talking about it. Lots of people just complain about the situation of things. How about, you know, trying to find it. a solution and put yourself in there, out there? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it for decades. The but, you know, it's like an, it's an active, it's an active approach to empathy. I think where we're not only, we're not only responding to needs of society, but we are also anticipating and preventing mm. harm. Uh, I, I think a lot of people know or want to do more, want to be proactive with their love, yeah. um, whether it's fear, whether it's time, whether it's commitments, whatever, something's holding them back. Is there something you would advise them or is there something that you did for the very first time, because I think an experience like, let's just go back to your Kenya experience. Something yeah. like that is so rewarding and so life-changing that the the reward of getting that experience, I think justify in your mind, you know that you wouldn't have got that if you didn't go to Kenya. But for right. someone who's never done anything like that, maybe that first step is more challenging. Is there something from your experience that you would advise to them to just try to, to be more proactive with their love? Well, I think that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, it can be the smallest action as long as you act, mm. be proactive. You know, it, it, it can start with within your family. It can mm -hmm. start within your community. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose. You don't have to do anything like on the opposite side of the world, but start small. 
start with, you know, if you're afraid of trying something, you know, too, you know, far or, you know, just starting your community. And I think that's really the first step that counts. It's it's kind of like, you know, oh, I want to start going to the gym. <laughs> you know, the first step is going to the gym the first day. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's baby steps, you know, take baby steps. One first step and then you're, you're <laughs> and then it will lead you, you know, and then you just wherever there, you know, it, the, the main thing is to start. Start yeah. with just one small thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Taj, do you have? I have another question, but I want to make sure I'm not hogging. Is there anything you want to say, or you want me to keep going? Keep going for now. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, now, I, this is something you've mentioned at the beginning: is how grief being stuck inside a lot of us, and we need to let it flow. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to circle back to that because I want to get from you, Laura, someone who has understood that concept. You've went through the most challenging loss I can think of. Um, I'm curious to know what practical steps do you suggest people can take to help let their grief out and let it flow? Well, well, after the loss of Blaze, I really discovered that um, I had the most impactful experience when um when i would try to reconnect with my inner child so you know to try to reconnect with the simpler joys of life like something really simple something that really used to make you happy when you were a kid you know just like you know we're adults basically with in my <laughs> my opinion we're all kids pretending to be adults you know? yeah, yeah. like it's all yes. a big game. You know, yeah. we're all pretending, put all these masks on, but we're really kids, you know, if like if uh, if you're not around all these maybe important people, important meetings, <laughs> if you're by yourself, you're a kid, you know, just like, you know, it's true. So if, um, you know, the main thing is drop the mask, go back to your child uh, way, childhood ways and, you know, try to reconnect with that simplicity of being a child again and you know there's um there was a really cool quote by i think it was leonardo da vinci he was saying simplicity is the ultimate sophistication mm. think about it nowadays you know it's the opposite you know the ultimate sophistication is being really really complicated you mm. know but i think that in my opinion what really what is at the base of true healing is going back to the inner child. So whatever really used to make you happy when you were a kid. I'm not saying you have to do child, you know, you know, you know, do childlike things, but something that brings back that joy that is unfiltered, unadulterated, that used to give you joy when you were little, you know, and or you know, it can be anything. It can be painting can be ceramics it can be just like jumping on a trampoline it can be you know all sorts of things that you can think of that reconnect you with that inner child that is is crying inside it's i love that it needs to be seen i love that laura thank you for that that's yeah. really strong it's really impactful yeah. and i yeah. think you you uh 
I think you're 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 saying something that is 100% true and something that we all can use and and think of more. I think oftentimes when we're going through grief, we we I don't want to say complicate it, but we make it seem like there's things we should be doing now that we've done experienced this. But in reality, I think going back to simplicity and going back to simple things is a key to to getting through it. So very very cool. Um, okay. Uh, let's see what else we have. I want to know, uh, Laura, uh, and I'm jumping, I'm giving Taj one more minute or so, but I want to know how our community, what's the best way for them to engage with you to learn more about your work and your future projects? Is it a website, Instagram? I think I put it up uh, while we've been talking, but I'll do it again. And then uh, I also want to make sure people get a chance to see your TED Talk because it's a very strong, yeah. impactful one. And I wanted to know if there was um, what you tell people on how to find yeah. your TED Talk. Yes. So thank you for asking. Um, now I'm, I'm working with um, SFT Animal Sanctuary, which is the largest animal sanctuary in Morocco. Um, and we want we're creating an educational center within the sanctuary so it's sort of like a sanctuary within the sanctuary it's uh it's a sanctuary it's an educational center where we we, we will teach compassion towards animals to children but also we will have programs for people who are grieving so um great you know we're going to have exactly what we're talking about you know bringing out the inner child programs mm -hmm. so it's going to be all really cool stuff and how um, can they how can they find this so I'll give you the okay the the website is SFT Morocco so S is in Sam F is in Frank T is in Tom Morocco.org and um my uh their Instagram is um animal sanctuary underscore Tangier T-A-N-G-I-E-R. Okay, this is the website. That is the website. SFT Morocco. We're okay. going to have an amazing educational center plus the Garden of Peace with the 21 olive trees. And anyone who would love to volunteer with animals or have the, a life-changing experience, in everybody should come down because I'm telling you, it's going to be life-altering for the, for the better. Um, it's amazing to see adults laugh out loud because they interact with animals. It's just like, you know, when you interact with animals, animals are innocent. So, the, the you know, it's kind of like they bring out the inner child. Just that interaction yeah. itself brings out the inner child. So it's exactly. a very cool experience. Um, the um, Their Instagram is animal sanctuary underscore Tangier, T-A-N-G-I-E-R. And let's see, my TED talk. I was trying to get the I was trying to get the uh, the Instagram, but we, people are gonna have to just rewind it a bit to get to that. But uh, and uh, yeah, your TED talk is YouTube. So that is a TED.com. Okay. Slash talks slash <laughs> Laura and then underscore. Formentini. Okay. Underscore love. Underscore in 
underscore action. <laughs> In underscore action. Yep. So I think this should be it. So if if you want to uh, see a great TED Talk, copy down this um, URL um, and you will see Laura doing a, an amazing TED Talk. And then, of course, there is your website at lauraformantini.com. Yeah. Um, and then your Instagram is at author Laura Formentini. Yeah. Um, where Facebook is the same. And yeah. can I share your email? Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Email is info at Laura Formentini. And yep. then I want to remind everyone about uh, 21 Olive Trees, mm-hmm. a mother's walk through the grief of suicide, of hope, and healing, which is available at Amazon, Bars Normal, Walmart, and Audible. Um, okay, I think I hit everything. Did I miss anything, Laura? I think that's it. You know, I, again, oh, the um, Instagram for the uh, sanctuary. Okay, one more time. What is it? So I could write it out. So Animal. That is- animal sanctuary just one word uh-huh and underscore okay tangier t-a-n-g-i-e-r okay uh i should have put the let me put the little at sign because it's for instagram right yeah okay so animal sanctuary underscore tangier and yes. this is where uh you are going to be doing uh, a really cool uh, that you it's in like an educational center slash healing center okay. so it's, like a, it's a dual mm-hmm. uh, serves a dual purpose and it's uh, it's really cool it's just something completely different but it's going to be a fun place um, that um, you know um, captivating fun uh, there's a there's gonna be a lot to you know you want to you want to experience something completely new you want to learn how to make a birdhouse you want to learn how to you know do you know paint uh, flowers on silk or you know we're going to have all sorts of workshops that are unique and fun and um, um, I think it's great. And it's, it's all new experiences for so many people. And that's what's going to really help you grow yeah. and add, add, yeah. add different layers to your life that you wouldn't have added before. So and Lots of love interactions it. with the animals, of course, too, because it's an animal sanctuary. So. I love it. Yeah. Very, 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 very cool. Um, yeah. Taj, was there anything else before we, we pass the, the final word to, to our Laura? No, just thank you so much for, um, as you said, this is the third time you've been on and it's always incredible in that way. I, I definitely love the idea of reconnecting with your inner child because that's mm-hmm. something that I've always, you know, it's so important and um, especially <clears throat> when you're grieving in that way or um, in that, I, I always, I use the word nostalgia a lot in that mm-hmm. aspect of it. Cause it's what I've given advice to people of like, what made you happy back then? Was it a song? Was it a movie? Was it, was it watching a, a favorite team or something mm-hmm. and just reconnecting with that moment and in that way, but going back to that moment, because you're right. We are all children pretending, you know, um, I don't pretend, but yeah. <laughs> we are all children and we have to put on yeah. this 
makeup <laughs> or an outfit or you know or this, yeah. this to to to, yep. to dress up but yep. we really were shaped at, at a young age of who we are yep so and, what you and, said is really true so thank you that's all i was really going to say yeah i, I mean I, ahead, I, feel, I feel like i I stopped pretending a long time ago. I feel like, you know, if you like me, great. If you don't like me, it's too great. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's like you have, you know, you have all, it's almost like a game of how many masks do we have, you know? Oh, which one am I going to put on? Which, which, you know, I can't remember which, but, you know, just be yourself. It's just so much easier. Yeah. And, you know. Just and, and to piggyback off what you said, Todd, I think society just does us all a disservice by kind of pushing us to be mature and adult like and and to forget like well, you know you're, you're both yeah, so we we're we're missing out on that um connection and we're not leaning into that connection to our youth and our childhood and and I think um it's it's an important thing. Uncle Michael was someone who I think of all the time who who bucked that and always yeah. wanted to. And I believe that's the right way, but you'll get criticized by doing it too much or being too open about doing it. But I'm with you, Laura. Well, inner think- child and, and, and youth and all that stuff just goes hand in hand with empathy in, 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 yeah. in the aspect of it, of actually caring yeah. about outside things. Yeah. Yeah, your, your uncle carried oh, the, the, that, the youth. Oh, that that was that him. I mean, about that. <laughs> I mean, funny. yeah, that he was big on that. Whether it was you know water, you know balloon fights, or or yeah. you know comedies, or or mm-hmm. whatever, he was big on that. So amazing. Um, Laura, we are going to wrap up, but as you know from your experience with us, we like to pass the final word to our guest. So with that said, Laura, a uh, minute to whatever time you want. Uh, could be on topic, could be off topic. Um, anything you want to share, or I should say leave our community with, now is the time. Um, well, I'd like to share a passage from, yes. from The Little Prince. Ooh. By, do you know The Little Prince? Do you know the book? I- I do. I don't know who the author is. It's uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, French guy. That's probably why I don't know (laughs) that name. Um, Timeless piece. Yes. Um, And I think, you know, this really captures the the essence of childlike wonder, you know, and the healing power of simplicity. All grown-ups were once children but only few of them remember it. And he added, you see, one loves the sunset when one is so sad. Were you so sad then? I asked on the day of the 44 sunsets, but the little prince made no reply. So I think this really speaks to the, sort of like the heart of the mission that we have at the sanctuary at the educational center and it kind of reminds us of um that you know within each of us there's a childlike spirit yep very important and it's often forgotten in the in the complexities of adulthood and all the stuff that we go through and all the masks that we were talking about i think the story of the little prince is really something that encourages us to reconnect yeah 
this inner child and to find really joy in the simplest things. I, I, that that is one book I may have read when I was younger. I haven't read it in a while, but I'm going to order it and 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 reread it because because yeah. I've, I've only heard great things, and I yeah. appreciate you sharing that passage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's important to 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 lean into that more so. And uh, I, I thank you, Laura, for coming on and, and reminding mm -hmm. all of us to do to do just that. Um, for, for again, everyone out there, uh, her name is Laura Formentini. She is the author <laughs> author of Twenty One Olive Trees. I put the graphic up. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, and Audible. A Mother's Walk Through the Grief of Suicide to Hope and Healing. Twenty One Olive Trees. Um, you are no guest, no stranger to the, the show, and you are always welcome, Laura. And Thank again, we appreciate you for coming on Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. wish you all the best um, in, in life and keep making a difference. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, all right. We will be back next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Everyone, we want to thank you all for joining. Thank you for being here. And please be safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Adios, everyone. Bye.